Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, for the last couple of weeks, I want to turn our attention to the Word of God. For the last couple of week, we, weeks, we've been talking about making plans. And last week, we, we looked at Ephesians 4 into Ephesians 5, and we looked at how we are a new creation in Christ. And the challenge was, as we make all these plans in our lives, do we ever stop and think about making plans within? And thinking about, God, what are you doing inside of me? We, we are constantly making plans on the outward, planning out different trips and different activities. But do we ever stop and think, hey, why don't I make a plan and start thinking about what's happening inside of me? How long till we start to forgive and, and, and how long until we become tenderhearted towards others? At the end of Ephesians chapter 4, there's this whole list of challenges that we looked at there. And then it ends with Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, and it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And the challenge was is that we are called as followers of Christ to be imitators of God, and we should be making plans to address some of the inward issues within our lives. Well, this week, I want to talk about when plans go astray. I'm sure this has happened to all of us. I don't think anyone in this room has lived out their perfect plan in their life. Could be wrong. Maybe you are sitting here today being like, Pastor, every plan I've ever made has come to happen. I could be wrong there. But plans in our lives oftentimes don't work out. We make plans, we have a goal, and then what happens? It goes astray. It usually, and oftentimes, it doesn't work out how we thought it would. They go off of the rails. And I know all of us in this room, you can probably think of a moment in your life, maybe even happened this past week, where you're like, I had a plan. It was a good plan. It never worked out. It didn't go how I thought it was going to go. So I believe there is some Bible verses that we can be leaning on here today. And I'm doing a little bit different preaching style today. Usually, I like to just take one big section of Scripture and just be going through it. Well, today we're going to be kind of looking at a few different Scripture verses, and I want to bring us some encouragement today on how it is absolutely okay when plans go astray. Because I think for a lot of people, we can get stressed out about our plans, and some people hang on to plans really, really tightly, like these plans have to work. I've made them, we have set them up, and then they fall apart. Well, I'm going to share a quick story with you. It was the spring of 2006. If you guys can think back to that time, what you were doing in the spring of 2006, I can tell you what I was doing. I was attending Northern Michigan University. I was getting ready to graduate. Uh, It took me five years to get a liberal arts degree at Northern. Um, That's just because I'm I'm just wicked smart, you know. I mean, that's kind of what happened there. But it was... 
The spring of 2006, and my good friend Dan Benetti and I, who were childhood friends, we grew up as, as, as neighbors, we were definitely best friends growing up, and then when I moved back up to go to Northern, our friendship rekindled, and Dan was graduating at the same time I was. And Dan and I were sitting there talking, and we were starting to make some plans. We were like, hey, it's summertime coming up, we're both graduating, what do we want to do this summer? So Dan and I hatched this amazing plan. Like, we're both single. I think I was single. Caitlin, were we together at that time? No. Okay, good. I was, I was single, okay? And Dan and I, we were like saying, hey, we're about to graduate college. We should do a big trip, and we should backpack Europe. It was something that we had just kind of been talking about. So we spent about two months planning out a backpacking trip. And we were figuring out where do we want to go and how do we want to do this. And our plan was that we were going to backpack Europe in the month of August. Our plan was that he was going to go back to his summer job and I was going to go back to my summer job. And we were going to work, save up money, and then spend the month of August in Europe. And it sounded like a really, really great plan, but there was a problem. I needed to have my summer job. And for the last two summers previous to this, I was waiting tables at a country club in Petoskey. If you know where Petoskey is, there's a private country club there called Bayview Country Club. It cost a ton of money to become a member there. And while I worked there, I made loads of money. And it was a fantastic college job um, that I just assumed, hey, I'm going to go back to the summer job. I'm going to make a bunch of money. In August, we're going to go and we're going to blow all that money over in Europe. That was, uh, that was our game plan there. Well, there was a problem with this. I was a waiter for two summers, and uh, I'm a terrible waiter. <laughs> when I say like a terrible waiter, like I really, I, 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 I was awful at it. I would get orders messed up. I could only do limited tables per night. So on really, really busy nights, I could only do limited tables. And the manager knew that, and the rest of the wait staff knew that. Like, Jeff can only do about 25 to 30 people in a shift because I can't multitask. And, and, uh, and to top it off, I was the only male server there. Um, maybe women's brains just work better at multitasking. I, I, I do think that might be true. Well, I was terrible at waiting tables, but my saving grace was the members at the country club really liked me. You know, I was always making jokes and having fun, and, and oftentimes I would go golfing with them. That was actually kind of like one of my, one of my keys to keeping me there. Uh, I remember my first summer there, a member came in while I was working and said, talked to my manager and said, hey, I want Jeff to be golfing with me during lunchtime today. And my manager had to come down and say, Jeff, you, you got to go home. Member so-and-so requested you to go golfing. And it was, so I thought, if the members love me, I got a job. Well, the manager wised up and realized this guy cannot wait tables. We cannot hire him back for a third summer. He's already messed up two summers here. So now, I remember hearing this news in the springtime. It was probably like April, like right before we were about to be graduating there. And I was like, Dan, I don't have my lucrative summer job. And I don't know how I'm going to get money to go to Europe. And then I got a phone call from a friend that said, hey, would you be interested in working at a summer camp all summer? Um, and I'm sitting there thinking, 
I'm not waiting tables. And I said, sure. And so I looked into working at Spring Hill Camps. It was, it's a Christian camp downstate. Ben works there. Ben in the back there, him and I have talked about, talked about Spring Hill Camps. And Spring Hill Camps, if you know anything about Christian camps, uh, it's not a lucrative gig, okay? You're not talking about a lot of money here. I think I made $160 a week, and I worked about 70 hours a week. And it was the polar opposite of the country club where $160 was like a couple hours of work there back then. And, but it was interesting because I, we, we had all of these plans, and the plans went off of the rails. And I was a little bit disappointed, but then this opportunity came for me to go and serve at this camp. And at this camp, it was one of the most amazing summers I had ever had. I got to meet some amazing people. This one guy by the name of, of Jordan Kaufman, if I have not shared about him in a sermon yet, it is coming. Jordan, he, he was a man that loved the Lord, that was one of the most humble men and grateful men I've ever met. And because I went to this camp, I got to meet Jordan, and Jordan ended up coming up to Northern, and we ended up doing his house campus ministry together that following year. And I would not have traded any of it for my plans. Our plans seemed good, but I believe the Lord had a better plan for us that summer. And that brings me to the Bible verse that I would like for you to memorize today, and that is Proverbs 16.9. says this, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. We make plans, church, all the time. But the Lord establishes where we're going. And he usually establishes how things play out. And I know many of you in this room could probably think of a time in your life where you had a plan and you said, this is the plan, we're going to do this. Maybe it was some sort of business adventure. Maybe it was just simply a vacation. But we make our plans. And I would first and foremost say there's nothing wrong with us making plans. But understand this. The Lord's going to establish your steps in those plans. You can have some of the best plans And you guys all know this, and I know many of you in this room are thinking of a time in your life where you thought you had a really great plan laid out, and this is going to be a perfect, perfect plan, and then it goes astray. But now you can kind of look back on it and say, you know what, that was, I had this plan, but honestly, the Lord had a much better plan for me. He established my steps in a completely different direction, and I would not trade that for anything. Well, there's this example in the Old Testament that I'd like for us to kind of look at briefly this morning. Because I think for sometimes when it comes to plans in this life, my goal today is to remind you that it is, first of all, absolutely okay for plans not to go as you thought they were supposed to go, but also remind us that God is ultimately in charge of the direction that we go in this life. And it's us becoming comfortable with that. So there's this account in the Old Testament. You might have read this book before, the story of Jonah. Does anyone here remember that story? Maybe you've watched 
VeggieTales on it. You brought up VeggieTales a couple weeks ago. I think there's a VeggieTales movie out there on it. But the Old Testament story of Jonah is a very interesting one. Jonah was called by the Lord to go to this terrible city by the name of Nineveh. The Lord spoke to Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh was a place full of sinners. Unrighteous people. These people were not uh, not doing well in their behavior uh, level there. They were, to the core, unrighteous. And the Lord said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah, I want you to tell them to repent of their sins. Because the Lord was considering destroying Nineveh. Well, Jonah makes some plans. What are the plans of Jonah? Does anyone know? We're looking for volunteers today. Right there. The opposite direction, yes. Jonah's plan was, I'm not going to Nineveh. I do not like those people. He did not. And he said, I'm not going there. So Jonah made a plan. Jonah said, I'm going to go to the port, and I'm going to get on a ship. Nineveh was in the land. I I should have put some sort of picture up there. I believe Nineveh is modern-day Iraq. And um, Nineveh was on the land. Jonah gets into a boat, sails the opposite direction. His plan, not go anywhere near Nineveh. It's interesting how it plays out, though. Because Jonah's plan was to do the opposite of what the Lord had called him to do. And you guys probably know how the account goes here. He gets on the boat. There's a major storm. The crew members are starting to ask questions. Jonah realizes this is actually all my fault. They throw him overboard. The water's calm. I could be quoting the movie, though, right now, and I get a little bit mixed up. So when you watch the VeggieTales movie and the actual Bible account, I could be mixing up things there. I don't know if the water got calm right away. It could have happened. I should have reread that before preaching today. We're learning something here. Well, Jonah gets tossed overboard. I do know this part to be true. A big fish eats him up. And what happens? He is in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And the fish spits him out onto the land. And where does Jonah end up walking to? Nineveh. His steps take him to Nineveh. His plan was the opposite. But the Lord directs our steps. And Jonah walks up to Nineveh and ends up sharing with them about repenting of their sins and all of their wicked ways. And Nineveh, the people of Nineveh turn to the Lord. They turn, they turn from their wicked ways and they come to faith in the Lord. And it's an amazing story. But look how it ends here. Jonah, he's not too happy with how this one plays out here. Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you 
do well to be angry. Here is Jonah. Didn't want to go. The Lord got him there. The people literally come and turn from their ways. And here's Jonah complaining and whining, having a little pout about how the plan worked out. And it's interesting because even in here, Jonah knows how good God is. Jonah knows that God is steadfast in his love. He's slow to anger. Jonah knows how amazing God is. And he's up there and he's upset. Better to die than to live. Why are you having a pity party here, Jonah? It's because these men and women who were lost came to faith. And it's so fascinating that Jonah had this plan and God ended up directing Jonah's steps. And Jonah's pouting about it. He's getting all worked up about it. He's like, my plan didn't work out because his plan was not to go there. He kind of wanted them to be destroyed. But God's plan works out. And I think it's really easy, church family, for us to get worked up about our plans. For us to get upset when things don't go our way. For us to get, well, just getting bitter about things that didn't happen how you thought they should happen. And I know this is just a human, a very, very common human problem, but I believe us as believers... Oh, this should not be so within our lives. For us to be hanging on to our plans so tightly that these plans have to work out. If this doesn't work out, I'm going to get upset. I'm going to be angry. I can't believe this didn't happen. But if we believe that God is in charge, if we believe that God created this universe, that God knows how this universe is going to end, He's already forewarned us on what's going to happen there, then why do we get so worked up when our plans don't go our way? Why do we think that we should be in charge? Why do we think that, well, whatever I think should happen, should happen? And I think it's really easy to trust the Lord when our plans do go our way, but I think it's really difficult to trust Him when plans don't go our way. And especially when the disaster strikes on our lives. When you get that doctor's phone call, when you lose a loved one. I'm not saying those are easy things to be walking through, but I believe we as believers in Christ, we don't find our hope in our plans. Our hope is in Him and in Him alone. And we just have this attitude of like, God, what, however this works out, Lord. God, I don't know how this is going to work out, Lord. You see my plans. You see what I desire, but Lord, I know that I make my plans, but Lord, I, I, I recognize that you're going to direct my steps in this life. I had a friend of mine from years ago that he would always get very, very worked up when plans changed. He was like one of those friends where you never wanted to cancel or never wanted to call and let him know that you're like running late, like you always felt like I got to be there right on time or I'm, I know he's going to get upset. Right, I, I remember even like one time having like a child emergency and I was more concerned about canceling plans than my kid having a problem. It was like, well, yeah, the kid's puking, but I can't cancel these plans. It was so fascinating. About a week ago, this friend reached back out to me and we had a, a wonderful conversation and he was telling me about a story that happened on Easter Sunday for him and his family that they were driving back from up north and like what I said, he was a guy that just 
plans can't change. We made these plans. These plans have to be carried out. And he would always get upset anytime things in life like disrupted a flat tire, anything. It was like, it was like the end of the world here. Well, he called me up and he was telling me about on Easter Sunday, they went up north and they were driving back home with their truck and camper and he blew an oil line on his truck. And he's about four hours from home. And he's, he's a guy that can fix all things, but he said all the oil was left out and he's stuck in the middle of nowhere on the side of the road. And he said, Jeff, I wasn't even upset. He said, yep, it was Easter Sunday. Yep, I got a truck and camper stuck in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And he said, but I took it as an opportunity to bring praise to my king. And instead of, he said, instead of getting upset, and he recognizes, this is how I used to live. This, is, this would really bother me. He said, I just, I, we pulled over, we're dead in the water, and I just gave praise to the Lord. I said, God, you are king, and Lord, you are good. And Lord, it's not my will, and it's not my plans, but it's your plans, and it's your will. And I commended him for that, because I think that's the attitude we as believers ought to have. Saying, God, you, you've got a plan. You're working out all things. I don't always see it. Lord, help me not to get all worked up when, when plans go astray in my life. But you know what is fascinating? Is that I bet you everyone in this room can share a time, can share a story that they can say, Pastor, we had these plans. They didn't happen. But I can look back and see that God was directing us throughout the entire situation. We can always say that. I believe all of us can literally think of a story where you had a plan, it went astray, but you can look back and say, "I, I saw God's hand upon all of this. And I share that because I think, I think us, church, moving forward, we should be able to walk like that every single day. To say, God, I've seen you work before. God, I trust that you are working in my life. God, I, I trust that your plans are going to be good, even when I don't recognize it. There's this, I don't know if we got time for one more Bible verse, do we? One more? Okay, good. I'm going to keep us a little bit late. Romans 8.28. This Bible verse gets quoted all the time. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You have probably seen this Bible verse on a mug, on a t-shirt. For those who love God, all things work together for good. Well, do we ever stop, because this is how I think, do we ever stop and think about what's the context of this verse? What's actually happening before this? What is this? Like, like Paul wrote these words, and what is Paul saying before this? And it's interesting because at the beginning, well, Romans chapter 7, the entire chapter, is Paul making this argument that we're not saved by our good works, that the law will not save you that you can't somehow like, follow God's law and somehow become righteous with God. But he opens up Romans 8 with this verse. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. 
Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. We who are in Christ Jesus are no longer condemned. And since we're no longer condemned, and since the Spirit has set us free, he says this in verse 18, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul is saying all this suffering, all this stuff that we are going through doesn't even compare to the glory that is to come. Paul has this forward-thinking mindset that, listen, all the suffering that we face, and Paul was probably referencing persecution suffering, but we also know if you are living and breathing on this earth, you will face suffering. No matter what, whether you're a Christian or not Christian, there is pain and there is suffering because of sin in this world that we will all face suffering at some level. And Paul says, I consider that suffering of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Meaning he's looking ahead. Meaning that God's going to reveal his glory. Now, he doesn't give us much, much more information on that here. But it's this idea that as I compare this life, as I compare some of my current circumstances, Maybe they are bad. Maybe they're not going as planned. They don't even compare to what God has for us in the future. And then in Romans, right before Romans 8.28, it says this. This is 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit who knows who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god he's saying the holy spirit he he searches our hearts he knows us he knows the will of god for our lives he helps us in our weakness The Holy Spirit brings us comfort. He helps us. He knows us. And He's going to lead us according to the will of God. And then you get Romans 8.28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purposes. Now, where the faith side of this comes in is us trusting God that the Lord's going to work things out for our good. And this becomes really, really difficult when life is not going very well. And I know this. I've walked with couples that just lost a child. How does that verse play out for them? Difficult one to quote in that situation. To say, well, all things are going to work out for the good. But I trust that his word is true. And for us in our life to say, God, you are working out things. Lord, your spirit who leads me, your spirit who lives inside me, your spirit who knows me, who is interceding on my behalf, is working out all things according to your will and according to your purposes. Lord, I believe and I trust, Lord, even in the midst of this pain, even in the midst of this suffering that I am facing, Lord, I'm trusting that you're working out all things for the good of your, of your people. God, even when I don't see it, 
even when I don't feel it, even when I look around and I see everything falling apart. God, help me to, help me to trust you. Lord, help me to know that I'm, I'm, I make my plans, but you direct my steps. Lord, help me to trust that you have the very best for me. And I think, church, that's where it becomes very, very difficult for us. And that's where, it's, that's where faith comes in. That is faith. Faith is, is simply just, God, I trust you. God, I don't see it, but I trust you. And you know what I think is so encouraging and amazing is that I know I can look back on my life and I can see God's hand directing my steps. I share this all the time. I don't think it's a coincidence that Darren and I became friends back in college because Darren is who called me to come pastor here. Not my plan, but God just directs our steps. God just, meh. You meet certain people, something happens. If you own a business, you probably picked up a lot of jobs that you weren't even thinking about. You just met a guy. Met a guy. Conversation happened. This happened. Then that happened. Then this happened. And it's like, it's like this is just how God works. But us as believers, church family, our job is just to trust him. Say, God, I trust you. And I would also encourage us, we hang on to our plans lightly. We just, oh, okay, I got this plan. Whatever happens, happens. I've shared this a couple of times, but my wife and I have made two planning trips to go to the, back to the Smoky Mountains. Two times. One in 2009 and one last year. We had all these plans. Campsites booked. Everything's like, we're going to go to the Smoky Mountains. We want to go camping down there. Every single time something came up. One time we had to go out to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and last year we bought a house. And it was like, I, we can't go camping. But it's us just saying, God, I, we just trust you, Lord. God, I, I, I see these plans, but Lord, I know that you're going to direct me here. I want you to stand and I want to pray for us this morning. and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. and I, I would like Jeff... I don't know if you're planning on he will, he will hold me fast, but I'd love for us to re-sing that song because it's just, it's the security that we have in Christ. But let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you for how you direct our lives. Father, help us to be men and women that just simply trust you. Lord, you have these perfect plans that are working out for your creation. Lord, help me to trust that you are working out all things, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of things falling apart, even in the midst of our plans going astray. Lord, you are working out all things. And Father, we come this morning and we trust you. Lord, may, may we hang on to them lightly. Father, we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. Father, we give you all the praise. Father, as we sing, come and minister to our hearts and minds this morning as well, Lord. Remind us that you do hold us fast, Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name.